0: This is the Oh My God I'm launching podcast and on today's episode I'm talking to Pam who is a self-development and business coach working with female entrepreneurs shifting their beliefs changing their stories and developing mental mastery so that you can create you know a business that aligns with them through their body mind and spirit so in this episode we talk specifically about the inner game and there's a lot going on there so if that sounds interesting to you then I'm going to say stay tuned. Okay, so one quick note before we get into today's episode. Now, we all know creating content takes time, but it'll be more effective if you already have mapped out your entire launch so that you know exactly what needs to be done, by when, and by who. Now, if you want to have a stress-free launch, all you have to do is sign up for my free map out your launch mini course so that you'll have a solid launch plan for your next launch. Now, you'll find the link in the show notes or you can go to www.kenwestcar.com forward slash launch plan have you launched your online course with great success or maybe you launched totally tank and you just want to curl up and cry well it really doesn't matter hi my name is ken Westgar, and i'll help online course creators and membership site owners creating the most fun and profitable launches without having to go it alone In this podcast, we talk about all kinds of launches. You'll get tons of valuable insights and fun stories that highlights the dramatic ups, downs, failures, and success that comes from being in launch mode. This is the Oh My God, I'm Launching Podcast. All right, welcome to the Oh My God, I'm Launching Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Wesker, and today, today, almost Australian there. Today, we have Pam with me, or Pablo. Welcome, Pablo. Thank or Pam you. do you, what what do you prefer Pam's
1: good Pam's good i I'm the youngest of Pam's four good. okay I've been called all sorts of things and I respond so
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe not even Pam or Pamela
1: right <laughs> <laughs> Hey you I respond to that <laughs> hey you that was my dad's favorite Hey you
0: okay <laughs> <laughs> I love that um today we're gonna talk a little bit about you know the inner game I guess we can kind of call it um you know the inner journey that we have, shifting beliefs. Um, we talked a little bit about the impact of head-on relationships. You kind of explained to me what that meant. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mindsets, all that stuff. And, you know, we love that. So this could go on for months, as you said. <laughs> uh, hopefully we can shorten it down a little bit <laughs> to 30, 45 minutes. Uh, but before we jump into that, I would love for you to kind of just introduce yourself, you know, let us know who you are, who you help, and how you help people.
1: Sure. Um, so my name is Pam Godboys. I am a I'm a therapist. Uh, uh, I've been, worked in the field of mental health and addiction for I don't know a long time. I stopped doing the math since '98. Um, and a <laughs> long time. And um, that's the, that's
0: when you know it's been long.
1: Right. when you just give a date? When you are just like back back in '98 when I started all of this, um, <laughs> and then for like the I don't know like a decade or so I've been a yoga teacher, and then. Um, just kind of started, uh, really it was like, I felt like as a yoga teacher, as a therapist, I could create an impact, but I felt like I wanted to do more. I wanted to create a bigger impact. And I was like, can only, you know, only see and work with so many clients at a time. And so I started, um, just working with like other therapists who were, uh, struggling Uh, to like keep their, their head in the game. Basically there was a lot of burnout, they were experiencing a lot of burnout and things like that. And, um, and that kind of uh, inspired me really to move into coaching. And so I, um, I work with female entrepreneurs, like health and wellness entrepreneurs um, who are just kind of starting out in their business and are looking to um, create an online offer of some sort. Um, cause I'm all about finding freedom as well. I said to you, I, long-term commitments scare me, <laughs> the only long-term commitment I want <laughs> in my life is my husband. I'll keep him around, but long-term commitments are hard for me. So, um, I really uh, have taken that and like, am working with women so that they can, they can have freedom because for a long time, especially working in mental health, um, you don't get a whole lot of that. You get a whole lot of like sitting mm-hmm. at your desk and listening to people's, um, tragedies really. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, what does your journey look like? You know, in terms of where you are today, where did you kind of start, and how did you end up where you are today?
1: Yeah. So, I I kind of joke that um, that therapists fall into two categories. Either they are um, like have, a, they have significant trauma histories. This is what I say. Either they're fucked up. Sorry for my language. Or <laughs> they have a savior complex. And um, I always thought mm-hmm. I fell into category number two, like I have a savior complex, right? And I remember watching um, the movie Dirty Dancing, probably the original one, you know, like I think there's repeats since okay. then, but, um, and I remember sitting there, I was probably in middle school and watching that first opening scene where they taught, where she's, where babies has a dialogue around um, how she's going to save the world. And I was like, that's what I'm going to do. Um, that was like, became my, like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, and my dad was like a loving and compassionate, caring person and always helped everybody. And my mom is the same. And, um, neither one of them, somehow I became the social worker in, in the, you know, my dad's a plumber and my mom was a secretary. And, um, and I just knew that I needed to make an impact. People have always fascinated with me. Always I've, you know, I, I take people watching to the extreme <laughs> and, um, and I think that's probably kind of what drew me to yoga. Cause it, it brought in like the physical aspects, like the anatomical body movements. And I can now like look at somebody on the street and be like, you know, point out their pinpoint their trauma and their story. And, um, and that was like my goal. I don't, I, and part of the reason that was my goal was because it was the only way I felt valuable right? If I could figure out, if I could sit with you and figure out your story and help you get to where you want to be, then I had value. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know if that comes from, well, you do know it comes from part of it is like being the youngest of four by a, a significant age gap. And, um, mm-hmm. and just kind of feeling like, I was always just kind of brought along, you know, just bring, just like bring her along for the journey. Just like, it was nothing. Nobody ever showed up for my stuff because of course, by the time my stuff was going on, my siblings were all out of the house. They were like in college and away and living their lives and in their early twenties. And, um, and so the, my child, brain was like, Oh, that's because I'm not as important. Right now. I understand as an adult, they were like (laughs) away at college. I know what it's like to be at college. So Um, you know, getting Mm -hmm. home to their little sisters, like field hockey game or skating competition was not a, you know, was not a priority. So that kind of, that story started this, like, I'm not good enough. I'm not, I'm not smart enough. I'm not capable enough. I'm not valuable enough. I'm not worthy enough. Um, and somewhere along the line, I was working with a coach, um, you know, 10 or so years ago at the start of my yoga journey. And it was a, it was a yoga teacher. And we were doing some, some work around like, you know, what do I want to be offering? And all the, all the different things that go along with teaching yoga. And I, I don't even know what I said to him, but I said something, I just spit something out of my mouth and he goes, Oh, okay, cool. So you chase knowledge so that you can offer people value so that they find you um, valuable and want to connect with you and they want to have you in your life and then you won't be abandoned. And I was like, Mm-hmm. I hate you. But like, there was some truth in that. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so starting to realize that, um, that this is like, there's, there's all this inner world, right? Cause I starting out in the yoga world. I don't, I don't know if anybody out there is in the yoga community, then, you know, you get on Instagram and like, you know, everybody's talking about at least when I got into yoga uh, 12 or 13 years ago everyone was like talking about their trauma stories and I was like, I don't have a trauma story. Like I grew up in a like middle-class family. My parents are very loving and um, you know, like I don't really have a trauma story. Like, I don't, I don't know what these people are talking about a trauma story. Like I'm, I'm great. I'm good. I don't, I don't have anything. I don't have any issues. I'm good. And, um, and I just realized that <laughs> right like, imagine that um, I'm somehow some kind mm-hmm. of miracle. Um, and I realized working in the field of mental health, that that's really common that, um, that we don't look at our own, our own story. We don't look at our own shit. Nobody. And I remember in grad school, now that I'm like, like thinking back, I remember grad school them being like, if you're a therapist, you should have a therapist. And my, honestly, my opinion about therapy at that time was like, it was a crock of shit. (laughs) Therapy doesn't work. (laughs) Um, and so I kind of set out as a therapist to be a therapist, unlike any other that I had experienced. And that's what I hear. I hear like, and part of it's because I pull all these things together. Part of it's because of the way my brain works. It's, uh, it just kind of like goes in all sorts of directions. And then I see all sorts of things and say them out loud and people go, oh my God, how did you know that? I don't know. Um, but that kind of brought me to this place of um, crap. If I want to actually make an impact on the world, I have to do my own work. I have to like, look at my own story and I have to dig through it. And I have to, you know, look at the emotional resistance that shows up when I have to do something hard and I need to like, check my own mindset. Um, uh, one of the things that I've realized over the last like six or seven years is that, um, that I was angry, that I was like an angry kid in my, in the, this, it showed up for me. We were at my sister's wedding. Um, my sister was getting married a second time. we were at her wedding. And my mom said to me, you're angry. And I was like, No, I'm not. And I legitimately wasn't angry. And she was like, No, you're angry. I can tell. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm not angry. And she was like, No, no, you're angry. And it, well, (laughs) they pushed my buttons and it made me angry, one. (laughs) And then I started Mm -hmm. thinking, Exactly. Huh. I wonder if that's been my story. I wonder if my story, the way that the reason that I didn't think that I had any issues is because trauma was my, I mean, uh, uh, anger was my defense mechanism. That's absolutely the case. And the more work I've done on energy, I realized mm-hmm. that I have a lot of, um, I, at the time, I, had a, I was very left-brained. I had a lot of masculine energy. Um, and anger was my go-to. And I can make anybody back down. Like, I'm, like, not a big person. <laughs> like, this little 5'2", <laughs> <laughs> tiny little thing. But I can make anybody back down. And I realized that's not who I wanted to be. Um, because it's not, it wasn't in line with, like, the values that I had. And, um, mm-hmm. the work that I want to be doing, how am I going to help people? If I'm like, Oh, you don't like what I'm saying. We just scream at you. Um, so that kind of brought me around to doing my own work. And then I just started slowly sharing. I actually had a therapy client come in 2015. She came into my office and she sat down and I had just been just kind of dived in, like taking the dive in, like started peeling away the, like, I could be vulnerable. Yeah, practice this vulnerability thing, right? Because in the in the field of social work, in the field of mental health, and when you're in school and grad school, they tell you, don't share anything about yourself. So they like, train you not to be vulnerable. And I, I was mm-hmm. like, well, how, how do you connect with people? This is my struggle. I'm telling people like, oh, in order to connect, you need to be vulnerable. Connect with people if you can't be vulnerable. And so I was like, yeah, I'm just going to give it a try. And I was like, okay, source, universe, thing that is higher than me um, help me out here. I'm going to, I'm going to do this vulnerability thing and I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure out how to get from where I am right now to where I want to be by using the practice of vulnerability. Of course I had like watched Brene Brown's, you know, vulnerability, power of vulnerability. And I was like, I was in, um, and I had this client Mm -hmm. walk in and she said, she sat down in the chair and she started telling me her story and her story included like, um, chronic suicidality. She had been for her entire life since she was an adolescent, ex- extensive trauma history, she had um, she had said, "It's okay because if it gets bad enough, I can just kill myself." That was always her story. And I was like, mm-hmm. "Whoa, okay." And so I started talking to her about how like, who is she communicating with, how is she doing this stuff, And I just realized the things that I was saying to her were the things that I needed to hear myself, about my own journey. And it was around vulnerability and how to practice Mm -hmm. it. And she was like, I don't know how to do that. I need you to teach me. And I was like, okay, let's figure this out (laughs) because I don't know how to do it either. (laughs) Um, And so that kind of started that work really, like started this coaching journey that I'm on um, really began with this woman walking into my office in 2015 and being like, I need to learn how to be vulnerable. And I don't really want to spend the rest of my life walking around going it's fine. If it gets bad enough, I could just kill myself. Like, and that was like a legitimate solution. You know, you're like, Oh, I have to, you know, my gas, my gas tanks on empty. What do I do? Well, I could go to the gas station myself. I could, you know, break down on the side of the road and have triple A bring me gas. That was like a legitimate, like just solution. Yeah. It's bad enough. It'll be fine. Um, and so through her journey in therapy, um, there was a lot of growth, like over the next 12 months, we both did a lot of growing. And then all the new clients that started showing up were clients that were like needing vulnerable, needing to learn how to be vulnerable. It's like, Thanks universe. Um, <laughs> thanks for beating me over the head with this. And then from there I started having other therapists that were like, your therapy practice is so successful. How do I do that? Like, I don't want to be working right. in a group practice anymore. You have an individual practice by yourself. You don't advertise in your full. And I was like, Mm -hmm. okay. And so I started doing. I can teach you that. Yeah, I can teach you that. And I did it like really, you know, not real structured, just kind of like, sure, let's do some coaching and I'll like walk you through the process. And, um, and all the work was on like vulnerability on like vulnerability, self-work, right. Doing the, doing the inner stuff, Mm -hmm. looking at, um, the ugly stuff. I have one coaching client so, that, that I'm still working with today yeah. that is still like on step one of that process. She's like, I know I've got big walls. <laughs> like, it's fine. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. But when you say vulnerability, what does that mean to you? I mean, what type of vulnerability are we talking here?
1: Yeah. So um, for me, vulnerability was really about one, being honest with myself about what I was feeling, getting to know what I was feeling, being honest with myself about what I was feeling, and then being able to communicate that um, and being able to share that in a way that um, that was helpful. Because part of my struggle was taking this concept of like being vulnerable and connecting with my own emotions and tapping into all of that stuff and doing my own inner work, taking that and bridging the gap of like, in the world of social work, you share only when it's beneficial to the client. So how do I take what I'm doing and bring the story along so that I can like say, here's the lesson from this. Here's the thing that you can take away from this.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I just started sharing. I just started like, yeah, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure that I'm one of few therapists that my clients actually know me <laughs> and they know me well, <laughs> exactly. you know?
0: Yeah. But I guess I guess that's kind of the thing that, you know, it's – you've gone through something and you learned something from it and you can talk about that to the other persons that you're coaching. And that's the difference between just, you know, I'm vulnerable. I'm sharing what I'm struggling with and I haven't learned anything from it yet, you know? Right, right. Because that doesn't work. No. Because obviously you're still vulnerable, but it's not the right type of vulnerability. Yes.
1: Yep. Yeah. And that's what I was seeing, you know, when I talked about that, the early days of yoga on Instagram and like that that's what I was seeing on there. Like, let me be vulnerable and tell you my trauma mm-hmm. story. And I'm like, how this is this helpful? And, and, mm-hmm. and I think that, you know, I have some benefit to this, like uh, left brain thing. That is my way my brain works, um, which is a coping strategy for my ADHD. Um, Cause I definitely have ADHD. <laughs> um, but the, the way that I've coped with that is by putting all the, those like, you know, scaffolding in place by hanging out in the left side of my brain. And um, so I've always come from a place, even when I'm writing um, or creating content or whatever, I always come from the place of what's the lesson? And then what's the story that goes with the lesson instead of what's the story? And then what's the lesson that can be um, that can be, mm-hmm. you know, kind of extrapolated from that? and. I don't know that that's good or bad. I just know that that's the way my brain works. What works for me, so
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's I think personally for me that has also been one of the biggest shifts is that you, whenever something happens, instead of looking at it as why is this happening to me, you know, you try to see okay, this is happening for me. So, mm-hmm. what is it that I need to learn? What is the lesson? And it's not something that you do, you, know, you don't just flip a switch and do that because this takes time before you kind of realize how your thought pattern is obviously. But once you actually get to that point, it's kind of relieving actually. It's,
1: it's total relief.
0: Cause then you're not blaming things anymore or any circumstances or stuff like that. It's just, you just accept things the way they are and yeah. you get something out of it.
1: Yep. It is kind of crazy too that, um, you know, I don't know if you have any siblings. I have three and, um, there's age gaps, obviously, like I said before, but the other thing is that Mm. we are all such different people. And one of my sisters who I adore, I absolutely love her to death. We're super close, but, and she's done a, a ridiculous amount of work and is in a great place. Um, but when she was struggling she would say all the time, like, you know, my job, you know, my job, my life, my this, my that, it's all like, and it was totally the, the idea that, um, life was happening to her and that she didn't have any control over it. And I was Mm -hmm. like, that's not going to work long-term. That's not sustainable. You can't keep doing that. Um, she didn't like that from her baby sister, but oh, well, (laughs) (laughs) she knows what to expect from me. So
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's funny how, you know, uh, things from our childhood just, um, you know, kind of lives in the subconscious totally. without us even knowing it. But you, like you said, you had to go and dig deep and just kind of look at it and figure out that you actually were traumatized in some kind of way too, yeah. that you weren't uh, perfect in a sense.
1: I think we all have some, you know, degree of trauma, whether it's the, you know, the DSMs. Absolutely. You know? I mean, it
0: doesn't have to be like, like I right. said, it doesn't have to be that Ooh, really big trauma, but right. there's something that happened that you have in the back of your head.
1: Right. That creates who we are as a person. I mean, it's necessary. We have to have it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, yeah, it creates who we are as a person. And it, and if we don't know um, that that's the case, then it starts to create problems and, you know, shows up in relations. Yeah. I always say like, you know, is there like some specific pattern? Do you have a tendency to say? why does this always happen to me? And people, I, across, I always have people that are like, yes. I'm like, okay, that's a pattern. Let's start looking at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, that's your that, thinking that pattern. Stop. <laughs> yeah. That needs to stop because it's not about, you know, the things that keep happening. Um, and there's lots of different, I love, um, I love that I have this like sciency neuroscience background because I was also a college professor taught like human body systems. I like this nerdy sciencey background and then also and then all these theories and and mental health and and then also like yoga and energy and, you know, abundance and all that stuff, because I love seeing the crossovers. Right. I'm like, Freud has been talking about for like, you know, however long ago Freud was, whatever year that was, um, you know, the psychodynamic theory is all about how we keep playing out the same scene over and over, trying to resolve it. And that's, that's what patterns are, right? We, we don't, you know, uh, psycho, psychoanalysis is not uh, practiced that often anymore. It's, you know, few and far between to find somebody who's a psychoanalyst. Um, But there's some real truth to that. Like, yeah, we keep playing it out. We keep showing up to the same relationships with the same people and the same stories over and over until we resolve it. And if you, like, you know, mm-hmm. look at the Buddhist traditions or, like, you know, uh, traditions where there's reincarnation, they say you keep coming back, doing it over and over again until you get it right. It's just not just this lifetime. It could be <laughs> lots of lifetimes. Um, you have to do this work. So that's part of the reason why the work is so important. Um,
0: yeah. It's it's kind of like, you know, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different results without doing any change at all. And, yeah, yeah that there has to be some change.
1: Yeah, I can't even imagine. Even it might be. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, slight delay here, but that's yeah, good. <laughs> uh, kind of lost it there, but that's okay. No, but just go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, I can't imagine just continuing. I don't have addictive patterns at all, so I can't imagine, you know, doing continuing to do the same thing and seeing like, like you know, getting getting kicked by a boot. And keep going back to get kicked by the boot over and over again. Like, yeah, that's why it's the definition of insanity, right? Because it makes absolutely no sense um, that we keep putting ourselves Mm -hmm. in the same situations, but oftentimes we don't see it. Right. If you said to someone, Oh, why do you keep going and getting kicked by that boot? They would be like, I don't do that. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, We start, especially when you start talking about relationships, can't see the pattern, Mm -hmm. you know?
0: Yeah, and you usually need somebody from the outside kind of letting you know. But I guess that is maybe also could be a problem, you know, when people try to tell you, you know, you're doing this the wrong way, you need to do this, then they're kind of pushing their opinion on them. And usually that doesn't go too well because people like to figure out things on
1: their own. Right. People have to figure out things on their own. I mean, that's the whole premise of addiction treatment. You have to, like, you know, for years working um, uh, in addiction addiction treatment, I'd get a call from the parents, right? My 30-year-old son um, needs to get into treatment. I'm like, then your 30-year-old son needs to call. And they'd be like, no, you don't understand. He won't call. <laughs> exactly. Okay, well, this is the first part of treatment. He needs to call. Um, and I, I get some angry parents, but, like, there's truth to that. You have to be, that's where the, that's where it begins, Right. It begins with the mm-hmm. with the transaction. It begins with the making the phone call. It begins with the sending the email. It begins with the. It's why when I'm referring, like right now, I'm referring people out to um, new therapists. I'm giving them lists, and I'm like kind of pre-screening, like, hey, you. These are the things that align for you. And so I'm. At, I there's a message message a place that I can ask these questions and find some names. Um, so I'm giving them these names, and I have this one person that's like, can't you just find a therapist for me? I'm like, nope, cannot, can't do it. You've got to do that yourself. And they're like, "Oh, I'm like, yeah, I know it's hard, but so is everything that's worth doing."
0: <laughs> that's yeah, kind of my exactly.
1: You know, it's kind sure. of my standard. And it's funny because she's somebody that's worked with me for a long time, so she knows that that's what my answer is going to be. It's not like, it's not like I've hidden that. It's not like I do things for her. I'm like, nope, sorry, you're going to make that call. Nope, sorry, you're going to do that thing. Yeah, yeah, So,
0: and that's that's kind of part of being a coach. You know, you can't do. They're push-ups, basically. Correct. I love, them use, I love to use
1: I love to use that analogy, like the physical analogy, right? Like the, you know, you wouldn't. You, I have somebody right now. Um, we're working on, um, uh, you know, kind of getting clear on her messaging and what she wants to be doing. And she's like, "Well, I don't want to make a promise that I can't keep." And I'm like, "You're not promising." You know, I said if you're if you're a fitness coach, and somebody hired you to work out or to develop a plan for them. Would you, would you be like, oh, I feel bad because they didn't go to the gym and follow the plan? Like that doesn't that that means that what I'm offering isn't valuable and isn't um, isn't what I promised. I'm like, you're promising to teach them how, you're not promising to do the pushups mm-hmm. for them or whatever, and they get it. But sometimes when we start working on like the you know health and wellness, the emotional stuff, um, I think there's a, I honestly, I think there's a big an issue in the industry um, of mental health, and that's why we're in a mental health crisis right now. And there's not enough therapists, and so there's a little piece of me that kind of feels bad for <laughs> tucking, tucking and rolling <laughs> um, in that sense. But like, yeah, I don't know. It's a structure issue. There's nothing I can fix about it. Yeah. Me, me seeing my ten clients a week isn't going to fix that. So,
0: okay. I guess you know that's that's maybe also in the online space you know online entrepreneur space these are people who struggle with some of the same mental blocks i guess as well yeah. because there's so much going on behind the scenes that we don't really see we we see all these perfect things on social media and we have no idea what's going on obviously you know fellow entrepreneurs we know yeah but there's so many other people who don't know what we're struggling right.
1: with yeah especially when you're starting out you know when you're somebody that's like hey i want to make an impact in some way i want to help somebody i want to do something that's gonna like contribute to the world in some way that's kind of like the what my what my um what my clients say they like show up and they're like hey i to I do something i'm mm-hmm. gonna like, make this world a better place I'm like yes you're in the right spot um mm-hmm. but they don't see how like how hard it is and so on, on Oftentimes, it's like, you know, we get a month or two into coaching and they're like, this is so hard. I'm like, yeah, no shit. (laughs) I didn't say it was going to be easy. Didn't Uh, you know? Just just (laughs) said it was going to be doable. You make it look so effortless. I'm like, I have a team of people that work with me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's not a very big team. I have an assistant. I have a social media manager. And I have a husband who keeps my household running. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's a small team, but it works for me right now. Um, but yeah, Yeah. it's, it is hard. It's hard to, it's hard to get over your own shit and allow yourself to be seen basically. Right. Like, you know, going back Mm -hmm. to my early story, I, I didn't feel valuable enough because I wasn't, you know, I w I didn't have a, I always thought that I would be, if I had a large group of friends that somehow that meant that I, I don't know, I was successful in life. Now I realize I, can't. Part of the reason I didn't have a large group of friends is because I can't tolerate idle chit chat. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> um. <laughs> so all of my friends early on, like it, in adulthood, were like, you know, basically therapy clients. You know, they were like friends that mm-hmm. sought me out because I could help them fix their problems and their relationships. Um. And I was super comfortable with that because then I didn't have to be vulnerable. <laughs> they nobody knew what was going on in my life. Um. But that like exacerbates things, right? When you want to be a helper, when you, when you're like my passion, my thing is I want to help people. Um, oftentimes we come, we're coming from a place of um, uh, lack ourselves, right? We're not, we're not, uh, we're not comfortable in who we are. We don't want to be seen. We don't want to be hurt. We don't feel like we don't really feel like we have something valuable to offer, but then that's the conflict because then we're like, but I do have something valuable to offer, but I don't have something valuable to mm-hmm. offer. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Let's play ping pong with that for a while. Um,
0: mm-hmm. And if they actually did share it, you know, people would appreciate it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I have one client who I absolutely adore, and every time she posts, like every time I like get in her head, and she posts, like or shares or sends out her e- an email to like the thing, whatever the thing is, she's like, oh my god, the responses that I got. I'm like, uh huh. <laughs> We have a tendency if we don't share, we have a tendency to believe that we're the only ones going through what we're going through, which actually I have a group program. I always, um, even as a therapist, I loved group therapy, I'm like an anomaly. I love group therapy with adolescents was always my favorite because you never knew what you're going to get. Um, and I, there's a lot to be said for like going through the joint, the, you know, the process together and recognizing that you're just not alone. There's so much benefit, um, so much therapeutic benefit. And I basically, I run my coaching program, like it's group therapy. <laughs> like, mm. It's coaching, you know, I do it, but I mean, it's definitely, you know, I have a lot of people that are like, God, I feel better. I feel like I just went to therapy and like came out inspired. I'm like, cool. That's, that's good. So what I want to hear. Now take that inspiration, do something with it. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's fun. It's
0: yeah. Yeah. No, we're definitely not alone in any kind of way. I don't think there's not one single thing that there's not one other person that experienced exactly the same thing. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. There's always someone out there. But, you know, it's not easy to kind of get past that and um share your story, obviously. But um yeah. yeah they should. Um we talked a little bit about um impact on the head on relationships. I love how you explained that. Um, can we talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so I gave you an example. I'm, I'm like the ex, I'm like the example queen. It's how I like operate. So I had a young, <laughs> young woman that I was working with that I just had a session with today. And she was like, she has this childhood friend. Um, the, my client is getting married. And she was like, you know, I asked her to be my maid of honor and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I really want this relationship to be close. And, um, and this is not, it doesn't feel close. And I said, well, you know, maybe it's, is it that she's, she's got two, this friend's got two little kids. Maybe it's because she's got two little kids and you're at different places. And she said, actually, our friendship's always been like this. Okay. So then she started telling me about this, how she just feels disconnected and doesn't feel, felt like she was being judged by this friend when they spent time together. And then she went on to tell me like what the friend's reactions was were and how the friend was responding and the things that she was saying. And I said, she feels judged by you. And she's like, what do you mean? And I said, yeah, this is, this is the, the work right in relationships is that you're, we're so in our own experience. We're so all about us. Um, we're so egocentric and, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean like we're so worried about our own shit, that we can't even see what's going on with somebody else, and when I'd say like ninety-five percent of the time, when somebody's speaking to you, when somebody's saying something to you, you're not talking, it's got nothing to do with you. You know, it's got it's them, it's their story, it's their experience, and that really gets in the way of relationships um, because when you don't know, when you don't recognize, like, oh hey, that's if I'm sitting in my insecurity, and you're sitting in your insecurity. Like we can't see the other one's struggling. How can we possibly connect? Um, Mm -hmm. And it happens in, in friendships. It happens in intimate relationships. It happens in in families, um, especially in, I find, I see this a lot in like the in-law, the whole weird in-law thing, you know, or the significant other's family. um, You know, she doesn't like me. He doesn't like me, blah, 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 that whole, all that stuff. And it's, um, it's exhausting. It's exhausting, and it's Mm -hmm. why we withdraw, and it's why we isolate. Um, You know, it's why a lot of people have said like COVID was great because I didn't have to, you know, show up to family events where my you know husband's aunt was going to criticize the pie I made. (laughs) Like, who cares what the (laughs) husband's aunt says about your pie? Who cares? Mm -hmm. Uh, But we do. There's probably
0: other people who love the cake. So
1: right, right, yeah. And it's interesting when you listen when you learn to listen to what the other person, like really listen, like hear underneath the words. It's so fascinating what people will tell you. Um, But you have to get out of your own way first. You have to like get out of your own inner BS first um, in order to see that.
0: Exactly. And I think this is something that is even related to not relationships either. It could be just some you know, stranger that you meet and I don't know, let's say you bump into each other and this person kind of blows off on you because, whoa, you bumped into me. What's up with that? Blah, blah, blah. But that has nothing to do with you, but there's some issues on their side and they're giving it out on you.
1: Yeah. I have a five day rule that I, that I teach the five five day day rule, the five day rule. If in the past five days, you have done, done something, said something or treated someone in a way in such a way that they should be uh, that can be construed as negative or bad or whatever, right? Um, my air quotes around bad—I don't like using good and bad—but um, the if you've done something in that time frame, then it's your job to like to recognize it and to do something about it. And it's the other person's job to let you know that you've done something that was offensive. Right. And I, and I say like, we start with five days and I like to try to shorten it as much as I can. I'm like, I like to get to like, if in the last five minutes. So it's like my five rule from five days to five minutes. So what we work on, um, mm-hmm. because sometimes we're, we are people you've, and I'm sure you've observed this sometimes we're people that apologize for no reason. Yep. You know, like nobody bumped into you. Nobody, you know, like, you know, you're trying to get by someone in the grocery store and you're like, excuse me. And they're like, Oh, sorry. And I'm like,
0: yeah,
1: you're in exactly. my response to that 100% of the time is it's fine. You're allowed to take up space because that's the story, right? Like I need to apologize for existing. You're allowed to exist. Um, so again, when you can see through people's stories um, and see through what they're saying, it's really fascinating to get underneath that. And you're absolutely right. Like we'll like blow our lid. And if you can, if in that time frame, if you can say like, oh, from five days down to five minutes, if I haven't done anything that's been offensive, then it's not about me. And not only is it not about me, it's the other person's responsibility to communicate. So like, if we have this conversation today, I say something that offends you. And then you like, write, send me some snarky message three days from now about whatever. Um, it's your job to tell me that you're upset with me for something. It's not my job to read your mind. Mm-hmm. And then if you say, hey, Pam, I'm upset with you because you did X, Y, and Z thing, then I have the opportunity to do whatever I choose with that. And it's no longer your issue. It's like a game of, it's like a game of tennis, right? When, I, when, the, when the ball is on the other side of the net, it's not my job to chase it down. And if you can start thinking about relationships and interactions like that, then it makes life so much easier. You're like, is that on my side of the net or their side of the net? Theirs. Okay, great. And then we don't have to attach to the like emotional turmoil mm-hmm. that goes on with the stranger yelling at you at the. And if you've ever worked in service, right? If you've ever worked in like food service or like mm. worked as a cashier yep. somewhere, right? Somebody Any comes through of, anywhere, yeah. anywhere that you're like of service to a uh, uh, a clientele, and they see you as a number. Because that's the issue, um, and they react, you know, they, they like snap at you. People snap at you all day long. Right. When I worked in retail, people were mad at me all day long. And I was like, okay, Mm. this clearly can't be about me. Um, Those were my angry days though. So I, so I would get angry about it. But the, the idea is that if you can start to recognize (laughs) that it's not, it's not your shit, it's not about you. Right. It makes it so much easier. And if we started to personalize things instead of depersonalizing as on the consumer end, it would make that easier too. Like, when I go through the checkout line at the grocery store, I, like, read the name tag, and then I say, hey, Matt, how's your day? (laughs) And they're like, Mm -hmm. do I know you? uh, No, I just (laughs) just read your name tag. (laughs) I do the same thing with, like, servers, and they come over and introduce themselves. Because, you know, servers always come over, food, you know, waitresses, waiters always come over, and they say, hi, my name's Pam, and I'll be serving you today. Can I get you a drink? But we miss that. We, like, it's gone in a second. Mm -hmm. And so then they just become a number. True. And then we don't f- ha- feel bad screaming at them. Well, you know, some people, I feel bad if I, I at this point. I would feel bad if I, I don't scream at people. So, yeah. because I don't have to feel bad about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it, usually it doesn't help either. If you're coming into store and screaming at people, they're just going to be, no. okay, I'm not going to help you because you're screaming at me. But if you come in and just treat me like a human being and knowing that it's not my fault, I'll okay. be happy to help you.
1: Yeah.
0: i worked. Several years in retail as well, so I know exactly what you mean. Yeah,
1: it's crazy. It's so it's so nutty. It's so nutty that, like, as human beings, we think that that's cool to like go in and treat somebody poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's like a yeah. you know it's a sign of not doing your own work. It doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur or not, right? But, um, it's extremely important as an entrepreneur um or a business owner because you um because your your brand is your like is you. Or if you're a business owner, you've got people working for you, right? You got to like treat people well. Um, but it doesn't matter. Like, if we could all just, if we could all just like, like in increase our kindness and treating people well by like one percent. Can you imagine if every human being on the planet was like, "I'm gonna be one percent nicer"?
0: Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound like a lot, but it is
1: a lot. It's a lot because we don't because we are at our threshold. We're all mm-hmm. at our threshold because we—if you're not doing your own work, uh, it's why all my friends are. By the way, all my friends are entrepreneurs because um, because they do their own work. We have to. You don't—you don't last long as an entrepreneur if you're not doing your own work. You know, you Absolutely. just keep spinning yeah. your wheels, nope. and you're like, "I don't know what to do." Yeah, go get a job. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <You're-> <laughs> I do think that you know we are seeing more people who. Are working on themselves and they are showing up in a different way than we used to see before. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of where, you know, heart center entrepreneurs and all that stuff comes from, you know. And we do tend to see that that is, yeah, being more present these days than before. I'm yeah. happy to see that.
1: Yeah, me too. Yeah, that's a big, um, a big push of why I do what <laughs> I do is to help people, uh, is to help people mm-hmm. see that and do that work.
0: Yeah, just. Exactly. Helping people who really just from the bottom of their heart wants to help people and be of service of people.
1: Yeah. I just want to bring people together. I want to bring like people that want to do their own work and, um, and look in the mirror, right? Like hold up the mirror. They're willing to like hold up the mirror or like willing to allow the other person to be their mirror. Um, I want to bring those people together because I feel like there's not enough. I live in, um, live in New Hampshire in the U S and I'm, and I live in, it's relatively rural. There's 4,000 people in my town, <laughs> not a real big town. Oh, um, no. That's and not a lot. no, and it's hard. Nope. It's really hard to find like-minded people, um, especially in the midst of COVID. And there's not really, you know, if you, if you happen to have a kid who's in the class yeah. with some other parent, that's, you know, that's like-minded great, but it's, it's really hard to, um, it's really hard to like, want to live in abundance and want to do your own work and want to have deep and meaningful connection when nobody around you does. So that's a big piece of why I do group work. Mm. Um, do the group coaching is because I want to bring people together so that they can have that experience together and have a, a people, you know, inborn tribe to go to and to talk about the hard stuff.
0: So. Yeah, absolutely. We're coming up on four or five minutes here in here. So try to wrap it up a little bit here sure um is there something that you want to say that we that you felt like you haven't said that you really want to share
1: i don't think so nothing like i'm trying to think if i have any like good you know like that like what's the thing i don't know I can't, I can't come up with it right now. I'll come up with it in 45 minutes when we're not, when we're not here anymore. I'm like, oh, yeah. damn it. I should have said that. Um, yeah, no. I mean, I my message is always like do the work, yeah. do the work, look at yourself, hold up a mirror, do the work, make everything. If you could make just for 24 hours, if you could make every person, everything, every experience in your life, a mirror. Imagine how much more aware and insightful you would be about your own journey. Just 24 hours. doesn't have to be longer than that. Just like for the next 24 hours, let me just mm-hmm. see. Um, and what I mean by that with, with people and things is like allowing them, allowing the person across the table to show you who you are, to show you what you're, you know, what's going on. And if you're somebody that has kids, they're, they're great mirrors because kids don't have the impulse control to um to go, hmm. oh, I want to act this way, even though you're acting this way. So I always say to parents, like if your kids are like screaming and losing their mind, you might want to pause and look in the mirror. But yep. everybody and everything is like that, you know? When people say I can't sit in meditation, I'm a meditation teacher as well. I say, meditation is your mirror. Do it anyway. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, if people want to connect with you, work with you, or just learn a little bit more about you, where can they find you?
1: Uh, they can find me on I'm on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram handle is at yogini pam y o g i n i pam. Um, or they can email me. Um, I I that's one of the things that I still do myself. I have a personal email that I still manage um, because I like to connect. I like, I like to be with the, all the people. Um, and my email is just, is Pam at Pam I love people. I love groups of people. I love people. I love <laughs> observing people. I love people's behaviors. Yeah. So Yep. Yeah. my jam.
0: We'll link up everything in the show notes. So yeah, awesome. people can find you and send you an email or whatever they want to do. Perfect. Yeah. But I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing you. your knowledge sharing sharing your experience sharing your journey um yeah i really appreciate that
1: thank you for having me it's been great
0: thank you all right thank you to everybody who's been listening in this week and we'll catch again next week thank you so much for listening to the oh my god i'm launching podcast